What is up, people? And thank you so much for listening in to this episode of the New Generation Sports Talk Podcast. I am your host, EJ Stewart. We got a great show lined up for you guys today. Of course, we'll be talking about the struggling Cleveland Browns. They are off to a one and two start. And I'll pose a question to Kendall. Were they ready for prime time before the season started? We got Rex Ryan chirping about them. We got the Ravens chirping about them. So we'll have more on that in just a minute. Also, are Cam Newton's days in Carolina numbered? The franchise QB is hurt. A lot of fans and people in Carolina are impressed with the young cat, Kyle Allen, playing well over there. So we'll discuss Cam's future as well. The AB saga continues to spiral in a way that is basically this is becoming a weekly topic of what is AB doing this week. And right now he's unemployed. Last time we did the show, he had a job and everything was good. Now he's unemployed. He's been cut by the Patriots. He threatened to never play. He basically called Ben Roethlisberger and Shannon Sharp, you know, other sexual assault, uh, you know, attackers as well. Um, it's been a crazy week. Uh, Drew Rosenhaus spoke about AB today. That's his agent, if you don't know. So uh, we'll, we'll update you on his situation. And basketball season is right around the corner. We're starting to get training camp started with some of these teams. Media days happening. And we'll take uh, the pulse of the, the Brooklyn Nets, who have a lot of excitement coming into the season with the additions of Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant. So, jam-packed show, a lot of fun stuff. We'll have Who's Flames, Who's Trash. We'll have Kendall's Court at the end of the show. So, it should be fun. Joining me is my co-host, Kendall Stewart. Kendall, what is up, man? And what are you looking forward to talking about today? Yeah, what is up, EJ? Um, We're getting closer to to basketball season. So, obviously, there will be some basketball topics on this show. Um, so that's, that should be interesting for all you NBA and uh, college basketball fans. Um, but of course, because we're still in the heart of the NFL and college football seasons, we will also have plenty of topics uh, regarding those two sports. Yes, yeah. and it should be that should be good. Before we get to all that stuff, though, I do want to ask you because you know we're very um, very much interested, and we do a lot of content regarding the NBA draft. We have. Uh, uh, a video coming out shortly of the uh, Rookie of the Year candidates, who we think will be the top candidates this year. And one of the guys rising uh, for the number one pick for next year's uh, draft class is LaMelo Ball. So he's a younger brother of Lonzo. We've heard a lot about him with all his situations, leaving high school, going to Europe. Now he's in Australia. And he's been very impressive in his early start to his season. And it has draft scouts wondering if LaMelo Ball could in fact be the number one overall pick in this upcoming NBA draft next year. Uh, He's 6'7". He's got a silky handle. He's smooth. He can shoot. He's a great passer. Um, So there's a lot of buzz around this kid. Kendall, you obviously pay very close attention to this stuff. Do you buy the hype that Melo could end up being the first pick by the time we get to uh, next summer? Yeah, um, so like you said, obviously I follow this uh, NBA draft stuff uh, pretty much year-round, and um, LaMelo Ball has obviously been on the radar, and I have to admit, you know, for a while I, I dismissed him as an NBA draft prospect, thought he just didn't play the game the right way, and while I always knew he was talented, I just didn't think he was a, a legitimate basketball player. You know, I thought he was a streetball guy, you know, like he didn't play, or not really streetball, more he just played like it was an a- everything was an AAU game, um, but last his last season at Spire Academy very much 
I think opened my eyes and a lot of people's eyes. I don't know. This kid is actually a top 15, 20 player in the country for his age group. Um, but his performances in these preseason games out in Australia uh, have exceeded even those rankings uh, um, and those expectations. I mean, we're talking about a guy that, you know, was arguably the best player on the floor in a lot of those games that he was playing against grown men. Um, not not spectacular competition, but but still playing against a lot of guys who played high division one basketball and guys who've played in that league and guys who played in that in those conditions before. Um, there's a kid that's coming from high school. Mm. Uh, so like, and typically I wouldn't know what to make of this, but when you see RJ Hampton, who also, you know, is coming from high school and making the same leap Melo is making. And I mean, he's looked solid, you know, he hasn't looked terrible, but he's not, you know, especially that their first game, like he, he was, he, I thought he was mediocre. So you see RJ Hansel mediocre, and you see Lamelo Ball dominate. It does open your eyes because I, I mean, I know RJ Hansel is not a scrub. You know, it's just a tough adjustment for a guy to be coming straight from high school to then playing as grown men, uh, and having that target on your back. But it does not affect Lamelo Ball. You know, part of me thinks that, you know, I got to give Levar Ball credit for that. I think that move to Lithuania prepared him for this situation more than anything else could possibly have for anyone else because mm. I don't think it's a, a talent thing because I think Lamelo is talented but I think RJ Hampton is talented I think Moody A was talented I think Jennings was talented Brandon Jennings was talented when he when, when he went to Italy but I think his I think Melo's maturity and his confidence and his preparedness for this situation is unlike anything I've ever seen for, for a high school guy right and you know, obviously it's just a preseason, but he looks like, I mean, Johnson going to Drax Express put it saying, put it best when he said he looks like an NBL, which is the Australian League, like an MVP, NBL MVP candidate, which, you know, I mean, that's something that, I mean, to be MVP of a, of a league, of a, a high-level uh, international league at that age is only something we've seen from Luka Doncic, and Luka Doncic should have been the number one pick in the draft. So, I mean, I don't think he will be the number one pick, but I think Lamelo Ball. I think if he keeps this trend, will almost undoubtedly be a top five pick. Yeah, I mean, look, um, I think Melo is. It's so weird, kind of seeing this rise from him as a prospect, because I feel like you make good points that Lavar maybe saw the forest through the trees and seeing that his son was ready. To, to handle this kind of grave tax he's put in front of him. I mean, dropping out of high school, going overseas, playing professionally in Australia as a high school senior in terms of his age. That's the reality not, show. Yeah, the reality show. I mean, that's that's a that's a lot to ask for a kid, even someone as talented as LaMelo. But he's handling it quite well. And I, there are scouts, one scout saying uh, that he reminded them of Luka Doncic, which yeah. that's... that's I praise. I think I want to slow down that a little bit, considering Luca was playing in you know ACB league and the Euro league uh, <laughs> at seventeen, uh, looking the way uh, Mel did. Obviously, Mel also the same age. But 
I might slow that down a little bit, but uh, he looks fantastic. The funny thing about it, though, is in a way, while this might end up being best for Melo's game, I don't know if it'd be best for the whole marketing thing that LeVar seems to be very obsessed with. Because if Melo is, looks this good and he's dominating this much professionals on the, uh, on the professional circuit in Australia, if he went to college basketball and he lit it up, the stories and the hype behind Melo and the, the marketing potential and the money-making potential that would be there had that happened in the United States in college far outweighs whatever potential he's going to have after playing a whole season in Australia. Even though the hype is already rising and there is a considerable amount of hype with this kid and a lot of that goes to a lot of that credit goes to the ball is life Instagram YouTube uh world of amateur hoops and 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 now international hoops that's helped feed that beast. I mean, now is if you're a, a spectacular player and you're a young kid, people are going to find your videos and they're going to find who you're playing. So that's helped him tremendously. And that's why uh, maybe other players who maybe went this path, won't, he'll have a lot more hype than those kids. But it just, it does help me one. It does make me wonder though, like what would have happened had they just gone down the normal path and he played college basketball and he came in as the number one player in the country and he dominated after all the, you know, the buzz and hype that uh, Lonzo had. You would think that the hype for Lamelo would just be through the roof. He's getting this much traction in preseason in Australia. Imagine the traction he would have got in February or March when you're heading to March Madness and he's playing this way. Yeah, I mean, we know in, in college basketball, you know, people are always looking for the next big thing. And, you know, like coming off of Zion, we would have been looking for, and we still are probably looking for who's the next Zion. And Lamelo would have exceeded with the, the Zion Williamson hype. Now, Zion Williamson was such an incredible player that that he cre- and such a fun player to watch that, like, I don't know if Mel would have lived up to it, like, throughout the season, but, like, I mean, we know the we know how the Lonzo Ball hype was, and LaMelo would have exceeded that, I think, by far, just mm-hmm. because he would have had a brand coming into the season that Lonzo didn't have. So, I mean, it, it's... It, 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 there is that what if, but if at the end of the day Lamelo Ball is a top five pick, I, again I I find it hard to believe he'll be number one. Not impossible. I mean, the six eight point guard with a lot of all the requisite skills to be a, a, a you know a floor general and a, a shot creator in the NBA. But um, I, I think it's just going to be hard. I think for teams to draft him number one given. Lonzo hasn't been, he hasn't been bad, but hasn't been a superstar. And Interesting. So the Lavar thing in the background. So you think that you think that Lavar the the Lavar circus could hurt his still chances to be number one. Yeah, yeah I think wow. that's still definitely a deterrent. And I think that Lonzo's he's not a bust, but again, like unless Lon, if Lonzo breaks out this year, then that helps him. But if Lonzo is kind of if he ends up, you know, kind of getting usurped by Nikhil Alexander-Walker or, you know, he's kind of plays a, a, a bit role in New Orleans and kind of fades into mediocrity or irrelevancy, uh, I think teams will kind of be worried about, 
is this kid a gimmick? Because that's what Lonzo more or less kind of has been uh, in his career. Not a, not a bad player, but his success at UCLA was some, uh, somewhat gimmicky. Um, so you have to you have to wonder does that play a role when you look at someone like Anthony Edwards, Cole Anthony, James Wiseman. Those guys all fit prototypes for guys that are drafted. In top it doesn't it seem like Lonzo had the fatal flaw of his jump shot. That was kind of obvious. Melo doesn't seem to have any fatal flaw. He's not a great shooter, but he can shoot. And he doesn't, yeah, he, have a, a, he doesn't have a release that looks crazy that you need to, you know, do surgery it, on. His release is funky. It's not It's not, it's not like Alonzo, though. Alonzo. Um, it'll be interesting to see what he shoots percentage-wise. He's shot incredibly so far. Uh, it'll be interesting to see if he can keep that up. Um, and whether or not teams will believe that. Because, you know, Alonzo shot well. But uh, at least from, from the three in college. Um and just what, how how well can he guard? You know, maybe the two things people look look for. And I think those are largely, I don't want to say irrelevant, but I think those are largely minor things. Because it's, yeah, in a weird way, I almost feel this is very very early on, so I want to preface that because we got to see a whole season. But I almost feel when you mentioned the gimmicky nature that some could say about Lonzo's rise and the way he played at UCLA and before that, I almost feel like. Lamelo's skill set and his style is leads me more to believe he can be a great NBA player than Lonzo could, because Lamelo is taller. Lamelo yep. is can play two positions because he can play one or two. Yeah, and I, I feel, think and I feel like the ball in his hand. Right, and I but I feel like Lamelo can play in almost any style of play. Like I don't like Lonzo. We know he has to be in an up tempo, running gun style of play. I could see Lamelo playing as a typical shooting guard. I could see him playing the one in up tempo style. I could see him playing the one in more of a half court style because he's so smooth and so good in the half court and so crafty. Like, Lonzo didn't have the kind of craftiness in the half court that Melo has. Not only the craftiness to pass, but also the craftiness to find his shot. Lamelo isn't as good a passer or has the same court vision as Lonzo, but he has he's good in both of those areas. Like, I, just Melo, like, Lonzo just seemed like things kind of had to work in his favor in a lot of ways for it to work for him. Now, he was so talented. Like, I'm thinking about myself going into myself, like, like in 2016 or whatever. Or 2017, whatever he was playing. Lonzo was so talented that you, while I still felt then, you kind of had to change your team and work your team around him. He was so talented that you wanted to try to situate his strengths. It, it's looking like he maybe he quite isn't quite as good as we thought. So changing your entire team around him for him to be successful is kind of a question mark whether or not that's the right thing to do. He kind of reminds me of like, Ricky Rubio, in a way. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, like Ricky Rubio's kind of the same way, where, like, we all thought he was really great, and you kind of had to base your team around him because of his obvious flaws. And once you realize, even if you did that, you still weren't going to be that good because he wasn't that good, well, then, he, like, that changed the kind of trajectory of his career. He's still a starting point guard. He's still a solid player. He's an excellent defender. Him and Lonzo have a lot of similarities, but neither of them are franchise point guards. 
I don't feel like I have to change my team at all for LaMelo. Like, I feel like he can play any style and we'll be fine. And that's why I kind of believe in him a little more at this point in time, only because I don't feel that gimmicky aspect to Lonzo applies to Melo. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I see that. I agree with that. You know, like Lonzo's game in and of itself is is, is gimmicky. You know, it has been since he was in high school. Um, he's a point guard that doesn't really like to dribble. You know, yeah. like a lot of a lot of weird things about Lonzo's game. You know, obviously the way he shoots, he has a lot of range, but he can't really play in the middle. He has no middle game. You know, he can't really do floater. Like a lot of issues, a lot of issues with his game that Lamelo doesn't have those weaknesses. He is more in the lane of I don't want to say Kyrie Irving, but he's one of the type. He's a natural basketball player that can really do anything on the court. Exactly. You know, with the ball in his hand, his feel for the game is incredible. It's just. You know, uh, it's always been a focus and motor and maturity thing with Lamelo, and yep. that those things were 100% laser laser focused um, in these preseason games, which was shocking to a lot of people because this is a kid that's had you know red flags for immaturity. Which I guess we should probably look back and realize, oh, well, he was 16. You know? <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, he's gonna be a little immature, <laughs> but uh, yeah, he may not play defense all the time, but. Um, but yeah, you know he's been red flag for maturity and motor, but um, now he's playing like a professional, which I did not expect, which a lot of people did not expect. Um, but we also have to not, also can't forget that he's been a professional for two or three years now, and That's he's true. been a celebrity, a major celebrity for two or three years now. You know, a lot of these guys that come over, they're just normal kids, mm-hmm. you know, or a lot of these guys that go to college. Are just normal kids. They may have you know a big following or a big local following, but this kid's a global superstar. Who knows? He has millions of people watching him. He's had millions of people watching him for years. So like this is just run of the mill stuff. RJ Hampton has to be like this is this is crazy. Like yeah. I'm, I'm playing with grown men in a country that I I've never been in, and playing in a system that I've never played in. You know, playing all again, playing with dudes that are thirty. 30 years old, fighting for jobs. They got kids, families to feed. And LaMelo's like, I did this two years ago. You know, like, it, it's, it's easier now because I'm better. But, um, and we could talk about yeah, my how, guess. Yeah, sorry, go ahead. Oh, no, I was going to say, my guess again, I don't think he goes number one, but I, I, I mean, I would be surprised if he's not a top five pick. I do, I do think he will go ahead of Cole Anthony and RJ Hampton. So I do think he'll be the first point guard taken. Um, I will echo those sentiments. I think that there's a chance he is the number one pick because I think think his game is serious. And I feel like, let's keep it, people may sound surprised today um, because I saw a lot of surprise and a lot of, I was kind of surprised that this picked up so much steam today. Um, Now, I'll I'll, I'll give some of that alley-oop to ESPN because they tend to do that where they're, um, one of their their personalities or writers will say something, and then they'll kind of make a story out of something that they said. So Givoni, shout out to him, Draft Express, was the one who was pushing that his scouts, scouts are telling him that this guy can go number one because of how he's playing. Um, but still, I think a lot of people were really kind of surprised that that this is happening, and maybe because a lot of people haven't been paying attention to how he's been playing. But I'll keep it a buck. 
I feel like anybody, and there are a lot of people who've been paying attention to Lamelo uh, this summer and the pat over the, the past year. He's been looking like a top pick for about pretty much since he got five, back to four or five months. <laughs> yeah, I mean, if you not, a lot of people don't pay attention to this stuff. They are they don't they're not on Instagram. They don't watch. Ball is life. They don't like watch basketball, you know, basketball diamonds or whatever they are. They're not on YouTube and Instagram and whatever other platforms that his clips have been on. Uh, but if you see what he's been doing in the Drew League against NBA guys and what he's been doing in these summer leagues and what he's been doing for again for about months now, I agree. Since pretty much he got back to America, he looked like a, a top guy. He looked like as he looked. As good as any player that's playing college. Cause, cause I, like, I know because like when he got back, I was like, ah, he, I mean, he's about to get a reawakening. You know, <laughs> he's been like, he's been chilling overseas, doing whatever, playing in the JBA. You know, he's gonna come back to high school basketball and realize he's not. You know, he's not a top ten player anymore. He's he stunted his growth. And he came back. He was like the best guy. Yeah. You know, I'm like, I mean, I you know, Spire Academy is not like some. They're not like some some powerhouse. It's not like they were playing an actual schedule. I mean, they were playing an actual schedule. It's not like they were, you know, the number one team in the country. But like at the same time, he looked like every team that they played, they were beaten by forty points. And then, like you said, and then he's playing in the Drew League with pros, with you know, with and against other pros, and is dominating. You know, like, I mean, yeah, so much it, for the uh, so so much for the Cole Anthony hype. <laughs> yeah, some of the other, other point guards. I mean. I mean, he's been looking serious for a minute. Because again, it's he's six eight. That's what that's what separates him. Man. Yeah. If Lamelo didn't grow, if he was like six four, six five, I'd be like, I mean, he's still, I think a lottery pick. But being six eight with those kind of skills, I mean, he's not that athletic, and that's really that's what John Livoni kind of laid out as his biggest weakness that could hinder him. And I think that's going to hurt him from being number one. Is, it's hard to be a, a guard now in today's day and age without having that, like, you know, supreme athleticism. Yeah. And it's kind of weird to be 6'8 and have that, but I almost argued that if he's playing point guard, he'll be okay. He, like, he's not he's not as athletic as his brother is, I don't think. Yeah, but if you're that big, though, and he's, like, skinny, but if you're that tall, it, 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 that makes up for a lot of the athleticism questions. Because once he kind of fills out, he's going to be able to just bully guys around the basket and bully guys around. He, like, he won't need to be super athletic when you're that tall. Um, a couple of guys that, in terms of comps, that I think about right now, uh, Penny Hardaway and Joe Johnson. Mm. Joe Johnson, people forget, has point guard skills. <laughs> he hasn't played that position in a long time, but he, when he was coming up from Arkansas, I think in Phoenix, they experiment him a little bit at point. So did Atlanta. Uh, that to me is more if Lonzo ends up. I mean, excuse me, Lamelo ends up being a two. But if we're talking about point guard, I look more towards Penny Hardaway. But I think in terms of where his game goes, if it develops, I, I think his game may actually develop into him being a full time shooting guard. Uh, I think the way he plays, the kind of methodical, smooth, slick handle. The way he like I, that, he kind of reminds me of Joe Johnson in that regard. Now you can't think of Joe Johnson now, or like you know, even six, seven years ago when he was filled out and super strong. Think about again Joe Johnson coming out of Arkansas, skinny, you know, but tight handle, could play multiple two, three positions, 
they those are the two oh, cops I don't I have think they could uh, neither but also neither those guys super athletic. Penny a little more athletic than Joe Johnson, but Joe Johnson was not an athlete. I, I also think of if we're moving him off the ball, another guy with similar type of build is uh like Kevin Martin. You know. And another, another guy kinda with a funky shot. You know. But um I'll give one guy and we've given him a lot of all star caliber players and Martin was a good one. <laughs> uh I I'll also give him Brandon Roy a little bit. Yeah, I can see that. I can see that, you know. And like, but I mean the kids they, right now they're projecting top five pick. So yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah. If yeah, he's directly he's that high, then be that is true. You're very right about that. Um, so we'll keep an eye out on Melo's progression. I think that um, I'm gonna have to be watching a lot of these tape delay games, been, I guess. Or how long? You're gonna have to be watching, man. He's been having moments in the Knicks. <laughs> that would Mello, be Mello, circus. <laughs> that's on the Knicks. That's what I'm saying. I don't think he's going number one. That would be. I don't, I don't think he's going number one in part because of the circus. I don't know if New York can handle Lavar. That would just be that would be too much. You think LA would be crazy? Lavar in New York, man. Though I, I'll be honest, I, I have questions about what Lavar's place is going to be in his two sons' NBA careers. After that, I don't know if that was just um, good advertising. That conversation he had with his son. That didn't look. Uh, that didn't look very promising. Damage goods. Yeah, Lonzo yeah. basically saying like, you know, look, this is over, man. And him like kind of branded. Yeah, brand is done. Brand is done. Yeah, you think the brand done because Lonzo people saying you been damaged goods. Yeah, I mean that. I I look these reality shows are scripted. So let's keep that one hundred. So I don't want to just say, oh, what I saw in reality means it's real, but. That's the only peak we've really gotten into how LeVar and Lonzo feel about how all this is shaking out. And it looked as bad as it could be. <laughs> Lonzo didn't seem any interested in hearing anything LeVar had to say. And LeVar seemed to be really trying to stand his ground on continuing the process of whatever he's trying to put together. In five years, if he's kind of like nowhere to be found, you heard it here first, it wouldn't surprise me. There, I mean, he already in that article in uh, from Draft Express, they already kind of said that uh, he's he's played no role in this this Australia thing. So the coaches said they haven't really heard from him. He hasn't been in any practices, hasn't been in any contact. Um, the guy who's been kind of mentoring Lamelo was his coach from Spire, mm-hmm. played in the NBA, Jermaine Jackson. So you know he he's he's been kind of running this whole thing, but. Um. Yeah, I. I mean, they said he, you know Melo hasn't played in any 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 of his signature shoes or anything. No big no big ball around year. Yeah, apparently that like, they were already open conversation with sneaker companies. I believe if I saw I saw a headline yeah. that said that. So yeah, they, they're getting ready to you know for whenever he goes over to America, you know, next year. Yeah, Lonzo saying that you know the the Lonzo ones weren't ready. No joints was trash. That was crazy. I mean, that's what I'm trying to say. This, I'm he said telling that first you, that, that first time we he had his wish, yeah, this wish them every quarter. I'm they telling were you, I I have, and people wonder why he looks so bad. <laughs> like, yo, man, if your shoes are, are if your shoes are, if your shoes are jacked, you gonna look like a bum. You can put Michael, you, you, you can put you can put Michael Jordan in some jacked 
sneakers, and he ain't gonna look like Mike. I'm not gonna say he's gonna look like a bum, but he ain't gonna look like Mike. You're gonna be like, yo, yeah. Mike was kind of off tonight. Like, we were watching a lot of them, like, that. he looks slow. He looks terrible. He, he just looks discombobulated. Can't shoot. Yeah, and then we start wearing all the sneakers, and all of a sudden he looked good again. <laughs> like, yeah, exactly. Damn, now that Lonzo could shoot. All of a sudden he was, he was Jason Kidd. Yeah, Lonzo got a jump shot now because the sneakers change. They don't make no sense. But man, you try to play. You try to play in some bad kicks. That was, that's it. So that, DJ knows he's like, man, I played in those Starberries. Oh, nah, do not, not nah, no, do not, do not lie to the listeners and say I ever played in those Starberries, man. You know, I, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna have that on my show. I, I think the most I've, I've played in, I don't think I've even played in and once, which were also <laughs> awful. The the worst I did, I think oh, I, I played in the above the rim Reebok line with those are Steve oh, okay, Francis okay. and Bar- Baron that line that, that never popped off. I think that's like the the in terms of sneakers I've played, the, in, the lowest right. of like yeah, why did I do that? <laughs> that was a bad decision. Otherwise, I kind of stuck to like basic Nike. Um, but no, I never played in no Starberries. Never played in and ones. Never played in whatever those Latrell Sprewell. Uh, rim sneakers. Where did you ever see them sneakers? <laughs> he had rims on his sneakers. No. I didn't oh, see this is a classic. You know, being a two thousands, early two thousands kid. Uh, when Charles Spreewell, I don't think he was even on the Knicks anymore. This might have been when he's in Minnesota. But he he signed a shoe deal with some random shoe company that no one's ever heard of, and they came out with sneakers that had rims on them. Like 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 rims on a like a on a tire. Like, no, like a, like. Oh, they were, and they were spinners. So they they spun too while he was playing. This was when Spreewell. This is Spreewell. I need to feed my kids. So this is when he was doing anything. Right. <laughs> this is when he was doing anything to get bread. Shout out to Latrell Spreewell, by the way. I loved Spree. I'm a Nick fan, of course. So there's no diss to him at all. But um, but people were buying them joints too. I, I definitely had a teammate or two during my eight days who had them spinner. Latrell Sprewell sneaks, sneakers. And if you guys don't know what I'm talking about, Google Latrell Sprewell sneakers with rims or sneakers, spinner sneakers or something. You will see what I'm talking about. I am not lying about this at all. Anyway, let's move on and talk some football, Kendall. So, uh, are the Browns starting to look funny in the light? Because the team is 1-2 and two after another lackluster offensive performance Sunday night at home against the Rams. The poor start led former NFL coach Rex Ryan to call Baker Mayfield, quote, Overrated as hell. The QB, of course, responded, uh, basically saying uh, Rex Ryan's unemployed from the NFL for a reason, so no need to listen to that clown. Um, Meanwhile, (laughs) Ravens safety Errol Thomas says his team was tired of hearing about the Browns hype this offseason, that stories stories coming out of Cleveland were used as bulletin board material by head coach uh, uh, John Harbaugh. So, Kendall, with more pressure mounting in Cleveland, do you think that they can right this ship? Um, can they write this ship? Absolutely. I mean, they're only one and two. Um, you know, the NFL is a long season. Um, so yeah, I mean, I think they can write this ship. But with that being said, uh, I mean, I've always been in the on the the side of I thought the Browns team was overrated, and I thought the 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 people that were crowning them and the you know, the the idea that this that that this team was, you know, automatically that they were a Super Bowl contenders and this that, and the other. I thought that was a stretch 
because we had a lot of guys on this roster that just hadn't been there or hadn't, you know, it'd be one thing if they brought in a lot of winners or a lot of guys that had been, that had won a lot of playoff games in their career, guys who had been to Super Bowls or won Super Bowls. But I just didn't see that on the roster. You have a rookie head coach who's, what, the running backs coach for, like, for, <laughs> for like, uh, you, you know, half the year. And a, a, a second-year quarterback who had a good season but ultimately was, was quarterback for a seven-win team. And, you know, you bring guys like Odell Beckham and Jarvis Landry, this, that, and the other thing. But these guys are, you know, also guys that hadn't won anything in their career. So, I mean, I, I think that this is a – I don't think they're a bad team. You know, I, I don't think that this is a um, – I, I think they will turn it around to some degree. But um, any talk of Super Bowl, any talk of, you know, AFC Championship game, I think hopefully people will slow down at this point because this is a team that the biggest problems – because, look, Juice Landry can, can, can contribute. We know he's a good player. We know Odell, obviously, he's, he's – He's a stud. He's had, I think, a very good year so far. The issue right now seems to be Freddie Kitchens and, and Baker Mayfield, mm. which is unfortunate. But Freddie Kitchens has a lot to prove because he's a guy that, um, you know, he wasn't the coach last year. You know, they only gave him the job because they didn't want to give it to Greg Williams. But um, and you know, we yes, he was the conductor of that offense when when they started winning games. But he's got a lot to prove, and then Baker Mayfield has. I don't even say he's regressed, but he just hasn't taken a leap that I think people expected. So uh, hopefully Mayfield can kind of back back up the all the all the talk he's had, all the things he's said over the last five months. But he hasn't done that uh, to this point, so it's a little disappointing for a Browns fan. Um, to answer the question, can they write the ship? I will say yes, because their defense doesn't seem to be going away, despite. The offensive struggles. Last uh, Sunday, they didn't have their entire starting secondary, which you would think against a very talented Rams offense and a talented receiving core would mean, you know, right in the number in terms of how many touchdowns and points the Rams would have scored on the Browns. But the Browns defense hung in there. They played a really physical, tough game. Uh, they gave up an easy touchdown to Cup near the end of the game, but or, or for the go-ahead touchdown, but. I think that their defense has been outstanding really all year. Um, penalties has been an issue, but they play physical, they play tough, and they don't give you an inch. So, And Miles Garrett is just so good, man. <laughs> I mean, uh, watching Garrett and, uh, and, and Donald uh, play a Sunday night was uh, really fun to watch if you like watching dominant defensive uh, linemen. But I, that's why I give them a chance to right the ship. But they got a huge game this week against uh, the Ravens, a game that I'm not picking them to win. The the Ravens went into Arrowhead and I thought played a little uneven, but they competed with a team that is, I think, probably one of the top two or three teams in the NFL on the road early in the season. Um, so that's a game they got at home. That's a tough game for the Browns to win. And they lose that now you're one and three. At a certain point, it's got to start. The, the turnaround's got to come soon. This this game to me is as close to a must win as you can get, and I have concerns about where the Browns' offense is going. 
I think that Odell Beckham, while he was great against the Jets in week two, he gets no targets in the fourth quarter, basically, or in that last drive uh, for the, with the Browns trying to trying to uh, uh, tire win the game at near the end there. He he's had kind of moments out in the uh, during the season where I feel like the Browns really haven't been able to get him in space or get him to make big plays outside the the one big play he got against New York in week two. He hasn't been utilized as well as he could be possibly utilized. I think that Juice Landry has kind of been invisible this season. They've had Njoku injured. Nick Chubb's been good, but you say Mayfield hasn't regressed. I don't see how you can say he hasn't. I mean, three touchdowns, five interceptions. His QBR is around 34. His QB, uh, his uh, completion percentage is around 56. And he could make some jokes about Rex Ryan not having a job, and that's fair. But the numbers don't lie, and the tape doesn't lie. And I think Rex was pretty accurate in his description about what Mayfield's been doing. He's not staying in the pocket. So, as Rex said, you're, you're the slowest guy on the field when you take off. And he's not realizing that. He's totally right, because in that game against the Rams, there were plenty of times where we had clean pockets, and he's running when there's no pressure there. Uh, now, I know Aaron Donald can definitely make you feel like there's pressure even when he's in the building. But he's been doing that all season. He's staring down receivers. That's true. He's a one-read quarterback. That's true. Everything Rex said about breaking down his game, the balls are coming out in rhythm. That's true. You know, Baker had a nice comeback, and that's good, well and good. But I don't need a quarterback who's good with quips and quotables. I want a quarterback who doesn't do anything Rex Ryan said he's been doing for the past three weeks, which are all accurate. So, I, I, I expect Baker to to to, to clap back because that's what he does. I'm not really even mad that he did, but at the end of the day, the tape and the numbers don't lie, and he's got to play better. So right now, I would say he has regressed in these first three games. That doesn't mean he can't turn it around. Um, I don't think the the Browns' offensive line isn't very good. We've seen that certainly in these first, at least in the two losses. So getting rid of the ball quick doesn't allow you to kind of make. Look for the big plays that maybe um, that maybe you would hope for with Odell Beckham and, and, and Jarvis Landry. So I don't know. I, I've been very unimpressed with the Browns. Their defense is great, therefore I feel like they'll always have a shot to turn this around because if the offense just plays a little bit better, they'll be right there. They played against one of the top teams in the NFC at home. Yes, they lost, but they were in that game the entire game. Had their offense just had a little bit more spark, they could have won. So Baker Mayfield just has to play a little bit better. Offense line has to play a little bit better. Then I think they're fine. They could make the playoffs still. I think they're, without question, no better than the second-best team in this division. They are not better than the Baltimore Ravens. And the Ravens will prove that this weekend when they beat them again. Yeah, yeah no, they're not better than the Ravens. Now, they're, they're not in a good division. So, like, no. you know, the Bengals have played decent. You know, they haven't really won, but they've... Yeah, I think Dalton's played better than he has in years past. Um, Pittsburgh, you know, obviously they're 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 in a little bit of transition, but um, so because of that, I I can see them finishing second as well. But Baltimore, I think, is on another tier right now than than Cleveland, and that's just not something I think people expected. But a lot of that's because Lamar Jackson's on a whole other tier than Baker Mayfield, so. Um, if those things get, if that can get corrected, then I think these teams are a little more even than we than they are right now. Uh, let's move on to Carolina, where, as I asked in the beginning of the show, are Cam Newton's days numbered? Kyle Allen will make his third career start this week. 
after a stellar 2019 debut against the Arizona Cardinals on Sunday. Meanwhile, the Panthers franchise QB is dealing with what uh, the medical staff is fearing could be a Liz Frank injury to his foot. And he appears to be declining after several years of wear and tear. So Kendall, would it be smart for Carolina to move on from Cam if Kyle looks like he's more and more the answer moving forward? Yeah, Kyle Allen. First of all, Kyle Allen, you know, he was the number one quarterback coming out of high school. Yep. Uh, when he went to Texas A&M, uh, he ended up transferring. As did Kyler Murray. Both guys were the number one quarterback coming out of high school. Both ended up transferring to different schools. He went to Houston and ends up going undrafted, but uh, has really carved out a niche as can do backup. They also drafted Will Greer uh, in Carolina. So they have a succession plan in place if they want to move on from Cam Newton. I guess my thing is that, like, I think they would be best off maybe shutting Cam down. I mean, it's early to say to just shut him down. Yes, yeah, week three, <laughs> week yeah, four, it's whatever week three. it is. We're going to be four now. Might go, you might go punt the season, but like, I can see them saying we want to slow play this and make sure Cam is healthy. And if he's not healthy, then saying we'll move on to next season. But like, we know the NFL that if you have a if you don't have a an elite top end quarterback, it's hard to win. And I mean, it's not hard. It, it's hard to win if you're paying somebody like that, and I think they, I, I think Cam still has that upside. Um, so I, if I were Carolina, I would I would still try and win with Cam, and then say to ourselves, "Yeah, we're going to try and win with Kyle Allen," because I don't think Carolina's talent pool is strong enough to win with someone like Kyle Allen, a quarterback. Um, they do have some weapons, obviously Christian McCaffrey, the stud, and. You know, Luke Keekley is stud on the defensive side of the ball. And, you know, developing some good receivers and some other good weapons. But Cam Newton has meant so much to that team offensively. And, uh, you know, I, if if Carolina is making a change, I think, I mean, honestly, unfortunately, I think it's that start with the coaching staff. You know, I think they need a bit of a change of scenery uh, in, in, their, in, their, in their building before we can talk about moving on from Cam Newton. But at what point, Kendall, does, like the coaching, like like what point do we do look at Cam and have to make an honest assessment? Because Ron Rivera leaving the building is not going to make Cam Newton look less slow, less beat up, uh, less worn down, and that's more accurate, <laughs> or or more accurate, you would think. So, and all of those issues have been rearing its ugly head now, not just this year, but pretty much all of last season too. I have been in Cam's corner for much of his career. I don't want to believe it's over. I also still don't know if it's over for him in terms of being a star quarterback. But, again, as I said before, numbers don't lie and the tape don't lie. And he just has been, at best, average for about two years now. Um, I mean, he's been worse than average this year. And uh, last year, I think, was also a, a down year for Cam. You could say the year before was also a down year for Cam, and he's shown signs of being uh, a beat up. So, I don't know. I mean, this guy used to have a cannon of an arm. The arm strength isn't there anymore. And he's one of those guys where, unfortunately, he's kind of like those, he's kind of like that NBA athlete who was 
was a, a phenomenal athlete, and that was kind of a large that attributed largely to his success. And I don't know if he is capable or able. Well, no, capable is the only word there. I guess he's. I don't know if he's capable of making the adjustment to make himself uh, applicable to being successful with his declining physical traits. He's not as fast. He's not as strong. He does not have the same arm strength. So can you run an offense, have a team put around him in Carolina that can make this work? I don't know. He's making a lot of money. They can cut him next year and not pay him a cent or pay him $21 million. That's, that's, I don't want to be the one to make that decision because I know what Cam has meant to that community, what he's meant to Carolina football. I, I think there are a lot of people who want to kind of you know throw, uh, throw dirt on his grave immediately for their own agendas. I'm definitely not doing that. But you just got to be honest with where he is. And the idea that you could be paying a quarterback, as you said, who is not playing at a franchise level, not even close, and you're going to continue to pay him that kind of money without having the resources to put around coaching staff. Uh, well, the coaching staff won't matter, but especially the, the team around him, whether the offensive line, the receiving core, the, putting together the right pieces to, to, to make up for some of his shortcomings. It might be time. I have doubts that that's, that answer is Kyle Allen. Um, only because I, I don't know what to make of him playing against the Cardinals and lighting them up. Now, to be fair, I mean, this is a defense that gave Matt Stafford some problems, and you know, the Lions are undefeated. So I'm not sure what to make of Arizona's defense just yet. It's so early in the season. But, I mean, I definitely think there were 85 Bears going into Sunday, and Allen lighting them up really wasn't even all that surprising. So I don't know if... Him being the answer has anything to do with whether or not I move on from Cam. I think that answer has to be more involved with w- what is Cam realistically moving forward. And if he's not a $21, $25 million caliber quarterback, you have to think about what's next. Yeah. No, I mean, I think... It, it, I mean... That's that's kind of the situation that some teams are in, where you're in no man's land with a quarterback, and you know I think Pittsburgh's been in the situation for a while, and they've felt on the bend, and they've they've won games with him, but they haven't they haven't been able to get over the hump. Um, I, a lot of times you're only as good as the guy in your division, you know, and for Carolina, I mean. I think Cam is better than James Winston. Uh, he's not on the same tier as Breeze. And uh, I think when he's healthy, I think he's on the same tier as Ryan, but I think he's, he's below him. And he hasn't been healthy. <laughs> so, um, you know, I think I think you can win with Cam still. And I think you can be effective, but he just has to be healthy, and he hasn't been healthy. And, you know, and I, I mean, just, if this I, is a me, list want, injury. Yeah, and I just wonder if, if, if that can – if he can ever really be healthy with this team. They're just not built to protect him. Right. Exactly. You know, and I, I like, I want to see Cam in a new situation personally just for him. Mm-hmm. You know, see if there is another gear with another coaching staff, another organization um, where he can still be successful. I think there is. But, you know, and, you know, he gets that comparison to Westbrook a lot. 
Russell Westbrook, and I, I just like I'm excited to see Westbrook play in Houston. I want to see Cam in another situation because yeah, a lot cause... of people are, are are getting on Cam, and I wonder if it's him or if it's organization. Yeah, because I mean. There have been plenty of quarterback who, when we thought they were done, they went somewhere else and found the right system, right coach, right protection. All of a sudden, they look like a million dollars. You know, um, we've seen it over the course of many years. Kurt Warner being the ultimate example of that, but he's not the only guy. We've seen Rich Gannon. We've seen um, even like someone like Steve McNair go to Baltimore and play far. one good season with them. Brett Favre, of course, bouncing around after looking just shot in New York by the end, um, playing out of his mind in Minnesota. So that's why I would very much hold in regards to, is Cam done for his career? I would hold on that completely. Randall Cunningham, another guy who went to Minnesota, all of a sudden he was a Pro Bowl uh, superstar caliber quarterback again. You got to hold because you got to give him time to adjust to his new Abilities or lack there. Donovan McNabb on the Redskins. He just knew Kendall had to throw in something. He couldn't even keep a straight face. Normally Kendall's good with the keeping the straight face with the sarcasm. I had to make sure people knew that was a joke. I had to make sure the people knew it was a joke. Kendall. Yo. Donovan McNabb on the Redskins. He's a sniper. That's. Yo, that's that was crazy. Donovan McNabb on the Redskins. It's kind of it's kind of a bizarre world. It, like Don McNabb with the Redskins is almost up there to me with like Patrick Ewing with the Orlando Magic. <laughs> Just like <laughs> what that happened, <laughs> and like who thought that that was a good idea? But yes, that yes, uh, Daniel that Snyder. Uh, well, Dan Snyder, Dan Snyder with bright ideas, shocking. Um, speaking of Daniel Snyder, another guy. Uh, I and this is kind of a really this is a leap to go here, but Michael Vick. Who lit up Dan Snyder's? Uh, the only reason I thought about that is because anytime I think of Mike Vick in Philly, I think about what was the Monday maybe, the greatest Monday night performance maybe we've ever seen when he just torched uh, Washington for six touchdowns in the most spectacular fashion you could imagine. Um, yeah. So that's why I hold in terms of throwing dirt on a quarterback um, who's been in one situation for a super long time and hasn't gotten a change of scenery yet. I got to see Cam get that change of scenery before I really make a call. But for Carolina, I, I have concerns that this is over for him, uh, for him there. Let's uh, move on now and talk about the Antonio Brown saga. If it sounds like I'm getting tired of it, it's probably because I am. You can probably hear it in my voice. But he continues to bring news, so we got to keep talking about him. So this week, um, Drew Roy of the House says AB wants to play in the NFL in an interview with Warren Sapp for his podcast. Uh, Rosenhaus's comments come after... A world, another whirlwind week where the trouble star was linked to threatening and disturbing text messages to a woman accusing him of sexual assault. He was subsequently cut by the Patriots and he launched a Twitter tirade in which he brought up past sexual assault allegations against Ben Roethlisberger and um, Fox Sports analyst and recently AB critic Shannon Sharp. To, to keep the record straight, Shannon Sharp's accuser ended up being put into a psychiatric facility because they say she made it up and she was stalking him so I just want to make that clear I don't want to say this guy was sexually accused of sexual assault and not give you any backstory with that Ben Roethlisberger is a lot more murkier and you can do your research on his situation um AB also mentioned Robert Kraft uh, and his ongoing case where he is charged with, with soliciting prostitutes in Florida 
Um, but with all that being said, and uh, AB saying that he was done with the NFL and that it's unfair that these guys can get away with it, basically, in his words, and he him lose all this money, be, have his contract voided uh, by the Raiders, and that the NFLPA needs to stand up for him. Despite all that, despite this crazy week, Rosenhaus says that AB, despite AB saying he's done with the NFL, says that Brown does, in fact, still wants to um, resume his career in the NFL. Kendall, do you think AB will play this season? Uh, he has teams that are reportedly interested. Drew Rosenhaus says they've been talking to teams that are interested. And if he does not play this year, is his career over? Um, I don't think his career is over. Uh, I don't know if he plays this year, man. I, I just don't know if he's worth it. You know, all these teams have set rosters. Uh, the guy is... Uh, <laughs> I was like, who does he help? You know, like, if you're a bad team, more or less you're probably trying to lose games and you're probably trying to, you know, instill a culture of, 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 of you know, positive... <laughs> Yeah, not not being positive. a tra- not being a train wreck. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You're trying to not be a train wreck. So you're not going to go there. like the Miami Dolphins are going to say, "Oh, let's bring AB so we can be more of a circuit." You know, the Cardinals are going to say, "Oh, let's bring AB to to play with Kyler Murray and see how that works out." Like, I can't imagine any of these teams make sense in that regard. And if you're a winning team, I mean, a lot of these, a lot of the smart teams in the league. A lot of the, 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 the teams that do win and have winning cultures and locker rooms, are they don't want to deal with A.B. It's they, he just does not match with their locker room. You know, a lot of teams around the league, you know, the only team that I can see that has taken those types of chances on guys and, mm. you know, maybe has that, you know, kind of thing to them is Seattle. Oh, you I know, thought you were somewhere different. And the only other place would be Kansas City. But oh, for me, I think you're, you're going to say Dallas. Yeah, you can make the case Dallas. But even Dallas, like, I don't think they, they would take that chance. Like, Dallas also, I think, has, you have Dak. And you, I mean, you do have Zeke. Who, like, I just don't think they want to juggle that many. That many situations, that many egos. You already have Amari Cooper. I mean, they could they could take the chance. And I know, I know a lot of people speculated about Jerry Jones, but. Yeah, I have a question, Kendall. Uh, do you think that. Do you think, I agree, I don't think that they will take that chance. But do you think Jerry Jones had to be talked down from going after A.B.? His <laughs> son had to, had to talk about it. Because we know that, a, that Jerry Jones has wild ideas that he usually has to be talked down from. He wanted to draft Johnny Manziel, Stephen Jones, the son had to say, that ain't a good idea. He's had other ideas, or some of them we've seen come to fruition, like getting that psycho Greg, Greg Hardy. <laughs> like... We know that he's not that. Sometimes when nothing happens, someone had the the, the wherewithal to stop him from his worst impulses. So that's why I asked you that question. Uh, or do you think Jerry had the wherewithal to be like, no, we don't want this guy because he dealt with Rosenhaus with T.O. It certainly probably crossed his mind. Mm, wow. But I also, I mean, given how the T.O. thing kind of went down, I don't think he wants to do that again. You know? And I don't think it wasn't a complete failure. Yeah, T.O. thing didn't go nearly as bad as people thought it would. That I, at least right. how I remember. So, 
you know, I, I like I, I could see him considering it, but I don't I don't think it's worth it for this team right now. You know, I, like I think is only ty- is the type of guy that I would only bring in if I felt like he, I was a piece away from like the Super Bowl. And I mean, maybe Dallas feels that way. They're not a bad team. They're a very good team. They're undefeated so far, but um, like Casey. I mean, I don't know if Seattle will be one piece away, but I think Pete Carroll seems like the type of coach that would want, that could deal with A.B. Like, Jason Garrett, I don't think A.B. would run all over that guy, I would think. Yeah, I don't think... Either yeah, that, or, yeah, I don't or think... AB would, or A.B. would love playing with a guy that just won't challenge him. That's the two, one of the two. But, um, like, Pete Carroll has a much better chance of of getting to A.B. than this guy would. Garrett. Um, that's so weird because my my gut instinct tells me yes, I agree with you on that. But you would think that Garrett's been there forever. If he can't if he doesn't have. If we don't look at him as a guy who can control someone like AB. What the hell is he doing there? Like, isn't his right. whole and thing supposed to crazy, be so crazy? Right, isn't his his whole thing supposed to be that he's stable and that he's been shown strong leadership throughout his tenure there? Even if you want to. Argue his play calling hasn't been great at times when he was calling play call when he was calling plays, or he, uh, maybe some some early on maybe the locker room was sometimes got away from him. But like if he if you if we look at him and say no, he definitely can't control this guy and AB would run all over him. That seems like a really bad indictment of Jason Garrett. I mean, for a guy who's three, no, by the way, and done a great job so far this season. Just to put it out there, even though Jerry Jones says we ain't gonna talk about no contract extension. That- yeah, I mean, I, I can't give him a contract extension until he beats the team that that, that have either healthy players or or it's won a game a winning record in the last five. <laughs> yeah, the team that's won a game. I think he's. I mean, the Giants did win this week, but uh, which was a file away. Daniel Jones. Oh my God, incredible this week. But um, oh, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, they had they played three teams with a combined one win. So let's keep that uh, when we talk about where Dallas is right now. They've been dominating these awful teams. But when I look at Jason Garrett, I can't look at him as a, some stability figure when that team always has somebody lost to a four-game suspension or some guy yeah, getting too. arrested or uh, you know I it that's where I that's where I question is he kind of just doing his job and not worrying about <laughs> not worrying about the off the field stuff at all. Yeah, that's a fair point. I think uh, I, I'm not going to rule out the AV plays this year because the NFL injuries happen and. When injuries come, desperation comes, especially for coaches and GMs that desperately need to make the playoffs save their jobs or win Super Bowls to save their jobs or advance in the playoffs to save their jobs. Like Jason Garrett, for example, is a guy who I think maybe has to get to the Super Bowl to save his job this year. Um, Not to say that he's going to go to Dallas, just bringing that as an example. I think there's a chance he could play. Um, I think now I, I preface that by saying that's assuming there won't be anything crazy that's super super damaging to AB regarding his off the field allegations if that happens then all bets are off then he'll likely be done for the very least the season maybe even beyond that but if let's say he holds everything holds court and he only whatever we have now that we know of his situation now nothing else gets worse for him I won't rule out that if a team has an injury that's really looking to make a run in the playoffs or make the playoffs that they won't give him a call and say, hey, man, there's four weeks in the season. Are you in shape? Let's go. 
Um, I can see that happening. But man, he is it's a gamble because he is just a complete circus. Like I, he is we you thought T.O. was disruptive. I mean he is he's T.O. times two to me right now. I mean he's just toxic with the way with everything that happens with him. And the the way the Patriots thing broke down, you know, he's saying all the right stuff when he's there. And you think, wow, man, maybe the Patriots must have got to him. I mean, the A.B. that we saw was buck wild, and now he sounds like, you know, every other Patriot just doing the Patriot way. But then when he's not in the facility, he's sending threatening text messages to women. I mean, I mean, he is not at all. And then as soon as he's cut, he, you know, he says thank you for everything. I appreciate the opportunity. And then a couple of days later, he's lashing out against Robert Kraft. He's lashing out against... Other players and, and former players with their past or alleged allegations or whatever, like he's so unreliable in a sport that is kind of I don't want to say it's the military, but they definitely have a lot of inspirations. They they definitely have they, have, they, have, they definitely have a lot of callbacks to the military in terms of how rigid regimented it is and 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 the rules that are in place. Stability and reliability is super important in this sport. And they're less inclined to be okay with you being unreliable in this sport than any other sport, I think. I don't know if they can handle this guy. So that's what what makes me pause because he's so toxic. But that doesn't mean someone won't try it. Because as we've seen now, unless you take a knee during a national anthem, they'll bring back almost anybody. You can kill people with cars. You could be a racist like someone who I'm going to talk about later on this show. You could bully people. You could beat up women. You'll find a job if you could play. <laughs> so so I, I can't say that he, he won't at all play ever. And I think there's a chance he plays this year because if you got the talent and someone thinks they can help you, they, someone's going to give you a shot. I can't believe someone that's as great as AB is on the field. And we cannot preface that enough. He is a great football player. I can't imagine that nobody's going to try to give him a chance. Unless they know something that we don't know. Unless something about this, these allegations, which are already really disturbing, there's something even more more damaging that more paints him in a bad light that makes him just untouchable. I don't know. He might be just be too good to, for people to just See, it not wouldn't be worried about his transgressions or his, his issues. It wouldn't surprise me if his hands with Drew Rosenhouse just dropping him as a client. At what point... You- Drew Rosenhaus has lost a lot of money too. Like, yes. man, it, can't he imagine. Has, and he has a lot of nerve to be hanging out still with AB. Like, yeah. this guy had thirty million dollars in the bag. Yeah. I mean, what's he getting? Ten percent? Probably five. Five? Okay, five even. So what's that? One point five million. I'm doing the math on the top of my head. Yeah, that's one million. That's just gone. That, and Drew Rosenhaus did everything he could to secure that that one million for himself, and it's just and AB just blew it up, and then he got him more money from New England, and he blew that up too. <laughs> he blew that up, yeah. <laughs> like, man, I almost feel like Drew Rosenhaus is sticking with him just to show future clients and his current clients, hey man, I'm loyal, because I don't know what he's right. getting out of this at this point. Even AB somehow no. makes a return, he's gonna be making. Dirt cheap money, 
And it's going to be all non-guaranteed. I don't know what the point is at that point. He's lost his endorsements. Like, Drew Rosenhaus hanging out with him, I think it's purely for Drew Rosenhaus' sake with other clients, not with Antonio Brown. And you slightly feel better than me, uh, so you know this more than me. I, I don't see why else he's with him, because this has been crazy. If I was Drew Rosenhaus' family, I'd be like, man, we, me, you mean we can't get the jet ski this year because this fool is texting women? <laughs> like, I would be upset with Drew for hanging out with this guy and still being still working with him. Yeah, because he makes he's making Rosenhaus look incompetent. I mean, we can't get the third but, X. We can't get the third Xbox. Cause this fool won't put on a helmet. <laughs> like, yeah. If I was you, Royal House's kids, I know he's got two daughters. It doesn't mean they don't play video games or like jet skis or whatever. But man, I'd be giving him grief for what what AB has put has put me through. Um. Yeah. I don't know. We'll see. We'll see how the AB thing goes. Uh, I, I'm almost certain we'll have a story for them next week because that just seems to be his situation since training camp started. I feel like we talked about him every week. Uh, but yeah, it's gonna it's continues to be a wild journey. We'll see where that heads. Anyway, kind of let's get some basketball talk in here. We know we talked to Mel Lamelo Ball at the top of the show. But let's get another quick basketball story in before we do who's flames and who's trash. So Sean Marks Kendall says Kevin Durant is not expected to play this season. Marks says KD's rehab is going well, but that they're thinking long term in regards to his return. If Durant sits out, that means it will be Kyrie Irving's team for this entire regular season. Mark says Irving has shown great leadership, work ethic, and competitiveness during early practices with the team, which I'm sure has to make you feel sound feel great hearing that as a former Celtic. No, oh, yeah, as a you know, current yeah. Celtic fan. I've heard Kyrie, this before. Kyrie being a former Celtic, uh, he did suffer a facial fracture in practice after catching an elbow yesterday, but he is day to day. And once he returns, Kendall, what do you think the Nets' realistic expectations should be for this season? Uh, well, once Kyrie returns, I think the biggest expectation should be that we will see mass Kyrie. <laughs> oh, <laughs> yeah, that's the, true. We know the bucket. But, I didn't. I forgot about. I didn't even think about that. Yeah, we're getting mass Kyrie again. So uh, the league should be worried. But um, mass Kyrie is at least a ninety-eight on two K. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I don't know. I think this Durant thing. I think people are walking on eggshells a little too much with this Durant situation. You know, I know people are trying to like. I get Marx's position, but like, there was this narrative out there that you know that was going out, that was going around that you know that people should stop putting the pressure on Kevin Durant to come back this season. People should stop talking about Kevin Durant coming back this season. I'm like, I mean, I like, I like, I mean, as a basketball fan, I mean, I would like to see Kevin Durant play. Um, he doesn't have to. Because obviously he came back from a major injury. But if he's able to play and he wants to play and the Nets clear him to play, then I'm, I'm not going to not talk about it or not speculate that that's a possibility. Because right now that's where the reports are, that it's a possibility. Um, you know, like, obviously you don't want the season to be, you know, a Durant watch situation. Like, I mean, the Celtics had that situation with Gordon Hayward when he broke his leg and you know, it was when when's Hayward gonna gonna come back? Can he come back this season? You know, and hindsight that was ridiculous. But um, I mean, look, do I want again? Do I want to see Kevin Durant play basketball? Of course. Um, so I I'm not gonna if he's if if he is capable of playing in March or April or 
whenever he wants to come back and he makes the decision to come back and that's fine with me uh, do I think that that should be the focus of the this net season so far from uh, from a media perspective no I, I don't think we should be talking about Durant I understand so that's where I do understand that that narrative let's not be talking about Durant I don't think it's a pressure thing but at the end of the day and Sean Marks put it best like this is going to be Durant's decision yes, just like it was more or less in Golden State but you know, like this is this is going to be Durant's decision. So, um, it's not for me. It's not for the media. It's not for Brooklyn to really decide. It's it's on Durant. So, uh, I don't think that there's really any pressure for. Him. I don't think the Nets fans really care that much. You know, obviously they want him back, but um, this is a long term thing, and I think they're already excited just the fact that he's a member of the roster. And look. I actually disagree. I think that I disagree with the point that it's good to make this just Kevin Durant's decision. That's what got him in this mess in the first place. Kevin Durant, whoever was pressuring him, he says the Warriors didn't pressure him, whatever. Regardless, he definitely felt pressure to come back. Whether that's because just they were in a finals or just because he's listened to the media or he's listened to whoever's tweeting him at midnight or whatever. He felt pressure to come back, and he has made it clear he made the decision to come back to try to play for his team, and that ended up getting him hurt, in my opinion. I'm not a doctor, but a guy with a calf injury who was cold in his, his Achilles when he hurt the calf, then tears his Achilles, I think one plus one equals two in that equation. However, I do feel like in terms of his return, if I'm the Nets, I just invested four years guaranteed max money. I'm going to be way more invested in making the decision when he returns. I'm not going to just say whenever Kevin Durant feels like he's coming back, he's coming back. Now, what I would do is I'm not going to rush him early. I don't care what my doctors say. I'm going to have my own timeline when I want him to play. But if Kevin Durant looks great in rehab, looks he's dunking, he's running sprints, he's crossing guys over in three-on-three drills, and he says, I'm ready to go. I'm not rushing him back. I don't care what he tells me. He's going to sit this whole season. The Nets are not in a position to win an NBA championship. They're not in a position to uh, to make any large noise in the East this year. They could maybe win a round in the playoffs. That's probably about it. You cannot in any way, shape, or form with a guy coming back from Achilles injury who's north of 30 do anything that rushes him back. And we know Kevin Durant is a hooper at heart. He wants to be on the court. I can't let him... I can't let those instincts get the better of him like it did this past June when he went out there when he shouldn't have been out there. So uh, Mark said that, and maybe it was the right thing to say. There's no way, in my opinion, if I'm running the team, that I'm just letting Ken Durant come back whenever he feels like it. He's going to come back when I think he's ready, and it's not going to be too earlier than what we expect, which is next season. That That's how I look at it. Um, I get that this is a, now becomes a whole season where he – is basically just injured. He's just, you know, $29, $30 million on your salary cap. But this is what you signed up for. I think I think that you're gonna have just kinda have to live with that. There's just I don't see any benefit other than I know Paul George has said that him getting back uh and playing those last few games in that lost season he had after the leg injury was good for him, even though he looked, he played terrible. Just him getting those reps were important. I just think that with an Achilles, I'm not risking that with KD, if he's he's got to go through the normal 
regimen like Gordon Hayward did with his broken leg or other guys who had to start from scratch, like Porzingis is starting from scratch this year, have not played last year. He's got to work through those kinks before getting to full strength. Then he's going to have to just do it in the regular season next year. I'm not going to let him get games in the in, late in the season and hope that he could be ready for the following year. I'm not doing that. In terms of Nets' goals this year, like I said, I don't think that they're a championship contender. Uh, I do think that they could... They should definitely make the playoffs. Anything less than the playoffs would be a failure, which I don't see or foresee that happening. I, I'd be I would be very surprised if they didn't make the playoffs. Um, and then you got to see you guys see how the matches fall. I mean, I don't think that they're as good as uh, Milwaukee. I don't think they're as good as Boston. Though I'm sure that would be a, a a conversation for debate with a lot of people around the Northeast, especially. Um, who are the other top teams in the East? Uh, I don't think they're better than Philly. That's at least three teams I don't think they're better than. So at that point now... Miami? Uh, I like Miami better, personally. But I'm a little higher than most people. They have Miami. Butler, but they lost Whiteside. The Whiteside kind of was a minus for them really last year, almost, <laughs> with his locker room antics and... They're getting Deion Wages and, and the way he plays, just the game kind of leaving him. Um, I uh, that's a close one. I don't, I don't know. I think that's more of like a push. Those two teams might end up being the teams fighting for that last home field, home court spot. To be yeah, honest. it could be a four or five game. Yeah, I could very well see that being a four or five. Matchup. Indiana's another team that. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not throwing dirt on Indiana's grave either. We gotta see what Old Depot looks like. But uh, Miles Turner, while obviously that U Team USA thing was a disaster, I do think he looked good. Uh, this summer, we know Sabonis is continuing to develop, and we know Oladipo is a star. So they should be, I think, between I think at worst a six seed, somewhere between four and five. So I think if you're in the next, you're looking to try to win around. You hope that Kyrie Irving doesn't uh, show any of the terrible leadership traits, leadership traits he showed in Boston. He's paid. He's where he wants to be. So there's no reason for him to act up. If he does, then that's a grave red flag. But um, but otherwise, I think that's where you gotta look for the season if you're the Brooklyn Nets. Kendall, let's get to who's playing and who's trash. So I'll start first, and I gotta I gotta do a big 180 here. Flames this week is Los Angeles College football, and it's a 180 because if you listened to the show last week, I said that Los Angeles College football was trash because the programs at USC and UCLA were in complete and utter chaos, the way I looked at it, especially UCLA. Um, but they came off two monster wins this weekend um, and really unlikely wins. So USC uh, playing with their third-string quarterback and their second-string quarterback got injured, upset number 10 Utah at, uh, at the Coliseum this past weekend in a pretty exciting Friday night game. So now they're back in the top 25. They're ranked now at number 21. <laughs> See what happens when El Presidente is back in the building. Look, yeah, El Presidente is in the building, and then life changes. I think that was good karma. <laughs> now, USC didn't Absolutely. deserve it. They didn't do anything for it other than be scheduled on Fox Sports. But, yes, the president, Reggie Bush, was in the building. And, look, USC is looks like more like USC. Surprise, surprise. It's not a coincidence. Me and you are on the same page on that. So... USC had a huge win against Utah in the game. I don't think anybody thought they were going to win. I, it was shocking to me that they won that game. 
And then UCLA, talk about the Bruins. Your guy, Kendall, Chip Kelly, your guy, somehow overcame, what was that, 35-point deficit at one point? 30-something point deficit? They were down. 50 points in the second half. They were down. They scored 50 in the second half. They were down. I'm trying to figure out the. I want to get the exact number for these people before I I say any number. But it was one of the greatest college football comebacks ever. They beat Washington State uh, 67-63. That's not a basketball score, people. That's a football score. Um, I don't know what to say. I I mean, I saw that they were getting blown out in the first half, and I thought, well, same old UCLA. At least while I trashed USC, at least UCLA, you know, held up their end of the bargain. And then all of a sudden, it looked like Troy Aikman was back at UCLA. It looked like Josh Rose was back at UCLA. So all of a sudden, Washington State just couldn't get a stop in a really bizarre fashion. Um, after being down 49-17 at one point, UCLA came all the way back to win that game in regulation, 67-63. Um, I still think that these situations are not good in terms of where the programs are. But I got to give the these team programs and teams a lot of credit. A lot of people, like me, were throwing dirt on their grave for Clay Helton and Chip Kelly. And those guys responded, and their teams responded, and those players responded. UCLA coming back on the road against a ranked opponent, being down 30-something points, it's just unbelievable. So, they're flame this week for me. Well, if you're going to do 180, I might as well, I might, I, I might as well do 180 uh, myself. Uh, you know, obviously last week, uh, one of my two trashes were – uh, or both of my trashes were the Minnesota Vikings and uh, the Pitt Panthers. And both of them had uh, impressive wins. I mean, the Vikings, they had a nice win over, over the Raiders. Uh, you know, pretty dominant, but who's to say? I mean, it's the Oakland Raiders, so I'm not going to pat myself on the back a little too much. Yeah, that yeah hold, the t- hold the ticker tape parade. <laughs> exactly. But, um, but Pitt coming out with a huge win against UCF, and... You know, we we started off great in that game. That UCF, uh, as expected, made a huge comeback and took the lead, and uh, seemed like they were going to run away with that game. But Pitt stayed in the game and uh, winning in absolutely thrilling fashion. I mean, they ran their own version of the the Eagles Philly special. Mm-hmm. Uh, they Pat Narduzzi calling it the Pitt special. You know. I, I'm not sure how I feel about that. You got to come up with a better name than that. (laughs) Yeah, you got to come up with a better name than that. I mean, you know, you can't be the guy. Pat Narduzzi can't be the guy to to call it that after he didn't want to kick a field goal (laughs) or he wanted to kick a field goal against Penn State last week. You can't be, oh, yeah, I I call that the pit special. Where was that last week? Yeah. The fact that you didn't have that play call already on the one yard line in the biggest game of your season. I don't care care about your great win against UCF. You cannot call it that. Yeah, yeah, I've had I've been worried about this all summer. Like, get out of here. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, you know, still an excellent win against UCF. Um, shout out to shout out to the players, especially uh, who didn't give up. You know, very easily could have rolled over, but huge win for the ACC. Um, ACC needed it, man. Yeah, because I know yeah. my Canes are not holding up their end of the bargain. Yeah, you guys have been uh, very shaky this season. Yeah, they, barely beat, they barely beat Central Michigan, a team that lost to Wisconsin by 61 points. 
So yeah, that shows, that shows you how things are going and going down down south. Yeah, it's it, it's pretty much the coastal divisions. It looks like it could be another year like last year, where the team that wins it last year was Pitt. This year it could be Pitt as well. We'll see, but the team that wins it is going to lose to Clemson by probably forty points. Which, I mean, maybe the ACC will. I think the ACC at some point will consider getting rid of that system if they can't getting rid of the the championship game system or the division system I should say uh, if the Coastal can't start fielding competent teams yeah I think I think so too um, this is so hard because then you have balance, unbalanced schedules and then people complain about teams they play and I don't know but I do agree that uh, divisions are a mess with Clemson being just so much better than everyone else, how do you field uh, competitive conference championship games? I don't know if you can with the way uh, these teams look right now. Uh, my trash this week is uh, Richie Incognito. Uh, Richie Incognito, I'll be honest, I don't know why anybody's even talking to this clown. Um, I didn't want to hear from him. I, haven't, I don't think he's that interesting. But HBO Sports, shout out to them because they, they're real sports with uh, Brian Gumbel is a fantastic show. They decided to talk to him. They saw something I didn't see. And they interviewed him. And, of course, they had to ask him about his situation with Jonathan Martin, who, if you don't remember, was essentially uh, says, said he was bullied by Richie Incognito. And there were a lot of texts that were revealed in that situation that show Cognito using racial slurs, using homophobic slurs, um, using just overall kind of abhorrent language in his conversations with Jonathan Martin. Martin says that these confrontations, uh, you know, through texts and through, uh, you know, interpersonal relations just uh, became very difficult for him. He, of course, is dealing with some mental issues. He had a really disturbing Instagram post. I think it was last year. People thought he may um, do something very dangerous to himself or other people. So Martin has clearly uh, continued to have difficulty since that incident. Richie Incognito was asked about how that all shaked out, and he takes zero responsibility for what happened. Uh, Richie says, um, quote, I did not drive Martin out of the league. I believe his mental health issues and his demons in his past drove him out of the league. Um, I fit the bill. Hey, racist, homophobic, whatnot. What I'm saying was we were close personal friends. It wasn't factored into, hey, this guy is... This is guy talk. There are two alpha males talking to each other. Was some bad-ish said? Absolutely. But was this a case of bullying? Absolutely not. Um, he also, uh, you know, made. Uh, he also spoke about his incident in which he was accused of threatening to shoot people, and he was arrested on misdemeanor charges of disorderly conduct. Which he said, uh, "quote I never thought about using guns one bit." I made a finger gesture like this is showing his index and middle fingers pointed out and out and his thumb up. Uh, I'm going to my physical. I'll be right back. I said my intention was to go back to my vehicle uh, and grab my father's medical records to come in and show them. So I guess I'm making Richie Incognito trash because I just it's really I'm making him trash, but it's kind of just it's really an indictment of the whole league because I feel like Richie and his opinion of taking zero responsibility 
for pretty much anything that's gone wrong with his career uh, is is being enabled by teams continuing to give him a chance and bring him back. It also is odd because he seems to be a guy that would be so replaceable. <laughs> Why they continue to keep signing him for some reason? Uh, now he does admit that he's he's battled alcohol and drug abuse, so he you know he's not going to just say that none of this is all of this is fault. But he for I don't know I just think that these quotes not to watch the interview to be fair because I, I would like to see how he was when he made these statements, but these quotes come off very callous. Uh, very, I don't know, just very kind of like dismissive of what are serious incidents he's been involved in. Um, Richie Akarnito has a very, you know, if you want to say, oh, well, these only made two bad incidents and maybe we're being too hard on him. It was just two years ago where he, he, he used a racial slur against the Jacksonville Jaguar African defensive end playing against him. Uh, he's been accused of using Asian racist uh, language towards uh, you know trainers. I mean, throwing weights in weight rooms in in just rages that can't really be explained. He he's a guy that's had a lot of problems. And again, I would like to see the whole interview before I make a complete uh, judgment about it. But just for for a guy who's had so many issues and 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 doesn't seem to really be remorseful about it at all, it's just sad to me. It's sad to me because you don't feel like uh, you don't feel like the league really cares about uh, guys who are this problematic as long as they can give them any kind of advantage on the field. And apparently, the Raiders think that Richie gives them a chance. Uh, other teams, like the Bills, have thought that Richie gives them a chance, and they're going to keep giving them a chance because they think that he can win, and it's not going to, at the end of the day, affect their bottom line how he's acted. But how he's acted has been. Um, Pretty disgraceful by anyone's almost anyone's standards, and him coming out there talking about how he has no he has really no responsibility for what's happened, and that it's really been other people who have led to his demise besides the alcohol and drugs that he blames. That's weak. So for me, Richie Incognito is trash this week. Yeah, I mean Incognito. I mean he get he continues to get chances. Um. We saw this in Hard Knocks. You know, a lot of it's because, you know, he's been a top flight guard in the league. You know, it's it, – I do think – I agree. I think the, I think the position is, is replaceable, but um, – Yes, he's a good player. I don't. I want to make that clear when I say replaceable. He is a good player. No one doubts that. It's just you can find good guards. It's not like yeah. – it's not quarterback. You know, yeah, it's not yeah. number one wide receiver. Like – and but then like, getting him it just means you just want to have the best team possible at the cheapest number possible and you'll right. do whatever it takes. That's why he's on the roster. That's why I mean when I say he's replaceable. Yeah. And it's just interesting because like well it's part of the reason why we think Antonio Brown will be back at some point. For sure. <laughs> but um like I think he he's also been able to keep a job for so long because because he's a guard, he's so low profile. That, that you're like, very right about that. You know, nobody really cares. Nobody even knows he's out there. <laughs> like you watch the Raiders game, you don't realize Incognito's on in, on the team unless you unless you see the starting lineups. Like Antonio Brown is going to be involved in every play. You know, a quarterback is involved in every play. Running backs involved in every play. Like someone like 
Ray Rice could never be back in the league. But Ray <laughs> Rice was a was a was a guard. Eh, he might be able to sneak him in. Yeah, or even so, someone like Greg Hardy. You know, Greg Hardy. Exactly, you don't. Hardy. You rarely hear his name until unless he gets a sack. Exactly. You know, so like that's where that's where it's hard. That's why that's why Incognito is still in the league, and that's why teams have been able to look the other way on. A countless number of transactions uh, from this guy. Absolutely. What's your uh, trash, Kendall? Uh, trash this week. Uh, for me, um, we're looking at uh, another team that I think uh, has. Uh, I want to say is they they've not exceeded expectations. They've underwhelmed. Uh, you know, EJ, unfortunately, this was a team you had going to the college football playoff. Oh, um, don't remind me. I, I'm looking at the Michigan Wolverines. <laughs> and it's it's sad because I like Jim Harbaugh. Uh, I was I was one of the guys that said that the Jim Harbaugh, that he would turn the Michigan team around, the Michigan program around in short order, and that he was a top five coach in college football and this, that, and the other thing. But I just have to admit when I'm wrong. You know, I hate to say it, but this hardball Michigan thing is just not working. Um, do I think it's dead? I wouldn't go that far. I, I think it's salvageable. I, I don't think they need to fire him. Um, but right now, I mean, they obviously they lost to Wisconsin this week, 14-35. to They were getting shut out for most of the game. Jonathan Taylor running all over them. They, the offense was pathetic. Shea Patterson looks lost. Right now, they just don't look like a good football team. You know, and that, that this isn't the first game of the season where they, they look like that. They should have lost the Army earlier in the year. It's 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 unfortunate. Um, honestly, I mean, I think part of it is that Shea Patterson's not a high-level college football quarterback. And that's not a disrespect. He's a college he's a, he's a He deserves to be a starter. But... I mean, he's not the Heisman candidate that I thought he would end up being at some point. And I think not the Heisman candidate that Jim Harbaugh thought he would be when he recruited him from Ole Miss. So, um, there's already uh, rumors and discussion about could Irving Meyer be a candidate to replace Jim Harbaugh, which would be <laughs> ironic, <laughs> pathetic, embarrassing, just so many, so many... <laughs> So many words to describe that that situation. How if that were to happen? But Meyer had denied it. He said he would never take that job, more or less. So, um, but yeah, it's just a circus all the way around over in uh, Ann Arbor. Yeah, man. Um, I, I'm 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 gonna go further than you. I, I think it's over for Jim Harbaugh. I, I don't think there's any chance he turns it around. Uh, he's he's been there for a while now. You kind of forget. Yes, he's been there one, two, three, four. This is his fifth season. This is not a guy who's been there for a couple of years. We're now fully. We're into the second recruiting class now. This is how his team looks. They're still playing old man football, even though he's not calling plays. They still looks. They look. They look small and outmatched against Wisconsin, in a way that I never thought I'd see a hardball team. Just beat up at the point of attack on both sides of the ball. This ain't getting any better. Not this season. And if it ain't getting better this season in year five, when is it getting better? I I don't know, man. 
I, 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 as I said, I had them in the college football playoff. I believed in this team, but two weeks in a row, they just, they, they just, they don't look close. And if it ain't gonna happen now, it's never gonna happen. They gotta move on from Jim Harbaugh. I'm gonna say it now. They, they gotta start looking at someone different. And next guy they get, spare me with the Michigan man stuff. Get me somebody who's new aged, who plays football the way 2019 people are playing football, and. It doesn't matter where he's from. They went with a Michigan man with Harbaugh, and they said this was going to fix everything. And it just has not worked. And the reason why it hasn't worked is because Harbaugh, even though he was an NFL coach, like one of the things that I think I miscalculated, and me and you both miscalculated, I think we both thought Harbaugh was going to be great at Michigan. What we both miscalculated was Harbaugh, while yes, he was an NFL coach, which we thought was a huge advantage to him from an X and O standpoint, what we didn't miss, what we didn't, attribute to his NFL experience is that by the time he was gone, he was a dinosaur. Like, what he was doing in NFL, nobody was doing. Two tight end sets, full, still playing fullbacks, old man style football. He was Nobody was playing football the way he was still playing football with the Niners. You know, ground and pound style of football, flying more on your defense, you know, focusing more on a running game. The advantage that we thought he has an NFL coach, I think, was erased because the way he plays, nobody's playing anymore. Yeah, I think that's a fair point. And, you know, he's had his spells of, you know, turning the plays over to other people. And I don't know. I don't know what the – I mean, I think he just has to recruit. A lot of times these things can easily be turned around by recruiting an incredible quarterback, but – he hasn't done that. The so problem far. also, Kendall, is as you said it before, in college sports, like once that momentum is gone, it's over. Like, yeah, for college coaches now at big programs, at middle middle level programs, yeah, a coach can really build something for a good five, six, seven years, and sometimes after year seven or six, like it pops and then things go great um, when they're given that opportunity. But at at the massive programs. If you don't hit immediately when the iron's hot, you're three tops, um, and you don't hit, and now the excitement around the program and you as a coach is gone, and you're not going to be able to secure those top, top recruiting classes just off pure enthusiasm for your program, then it's over. And for Harbaugh, to me, that time is coming gone. He had yeah, the honeymoon the, period. He had those top recruiting classes early on from the enthusiasm from the program. Now, anybody Michigan is getting, they're getting because it's Michigan. They can get any coach to get the recruiting class they're going to be getting moving forward. I don't think Harbaugh's making a difference. It's not, he's, not longer, he's no longer going to be a difference maker for them on the recruiting trail because the enthusiasm around the program has dissipated. So why is he there? He can't win, on, he can't win the X and O's. He's not winning on the field. And recruiting is not going to be the same. So instead of watching this thing deteriorate for the next two years, just cut bait. At this year, if they don't win at least ten games, he should be gone. There's no excuse. There's no reason for him to be around. And even if he does win ten games, it's got. I gotta see how it looks before I just sign on to him being back next year. <laughs> right? It gave you ten wins, but you lose to Michigan. But you saw you, you get blown out to Ohio State. You lose your bowl game, or maybe you play in a bowl game. It's not that great. Maybe you win, but it, it, it didn't look that convincing. I still might move on because. He's done 10 wins before. He's done it twice. He's done it three times already. 
I know what 10 win Michigan looks like under Jim Harbaugh. It still isn't a difference maker in terms of winning a national championship, and that's the standard at Michigan. Yeah. Let's get out of here, Kendall. What's your Kendall's court? Uh, my Kendall's court uh, for this week, EJ, we're going to college basketball. And, you know, we've spent a lot of time the last, what has it been now, like two years almost, <laughs> a year and a half, on this uh, college basketball FBI scandal. And the NCAA uh, this week has levied and come out with uh, a notice of allegations uh, against the uh, the notice of major allegations, the major violations, I should say, um, towards the Kansas basketball program. Uh, essentially calling out Bill Self, calling out uh the the program calling out adidas essentially saying that the gentleman tj gasanola that works for adidas that was funding players and families and funneling them to kansas essentially said that he was acting as a booster for kansas and that because of this uh even if bill self had no knowledge of it the guy was a booster and he's paying players so kansas is screwed um you know, Bill Self had already he had already sent a text to the guy. He had already been caught sending texts to the guy saying, "We need to get some dudes in here." <laughs> so he's already he's already he's already in hot water. But you know, the NCAA is like, even if you want to use your Will Wade, you know, plausible deniability about what that means, uh, it, we don't care. So uh, yeah, Kansas basketball seems to be screwed. We will see the ultimate, you know. Uh, actual sanctions that get levied on them, how severe they are. Uh, will it be a, a postseason ban? They will certainly probably lose some scholarships. Uh, it wouldn't surprise me if they have some some vacated wins. You know, of course, you'll have your NCAA cynics that'll joke that you know, yeah, these all these all these uh, these allegations on 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 Kansas will lead to you know Wichita State getting getting caught with a getting a two-year tournament ban or, you know, you know, Northern Iowa will get caught with something, but, you know, Kansas will get nothing, you know. But um, it seems like the NCAA is taking this seriously. It seems like Kansas is in a lot of hot water. Uh, it would very much explain why there have been no major recruits to commit to Kansas in, like, a year, year and a half. Um, so I, it's, uh, it's fascinating, you know, I... I definitely am still waiting because I want I, again. I do want to see what comes in terms of the actual tangible sanction, but I mean, it's still this, the the idea of this is, is still fascinating that they consider an Adidas representative a booster of the school because I mean, you can you can argue that for almost every program. <laughs> you know, yeah, that, I mean, yeah, any, the guy, these. yeah, the guy who's pushing, yeah, Nike is a booster for Duke. I mean, yeah, exactly. Come on, that's, Duke, they're boosted for Kentucky, yeah. Oregon, you know, Memphis, probably like all these schools. So it, it, it sets a precedent that should be very, very interesting once we get more of this stuff to be, you know, investigated by the NCAA. There was even a, a tidbit, a tidbit in the uh, in kind of the, the the layout of this of these allegations that there was that Larry Brown. That the uh, Kansas assistant had contacted Larry Brown to 
reach out to a recruit to sway the recruit to go to uh, Kansas. And when I saw Larry Brown's name, was all like, man, this is, this is detailed, man. <laughs> you know, I mean, he he's back in the in the <laughs> he's back in the game. But um, there was a uh, they they laid out a story in which. Uh, this this gentleman from Adidas, two gentlemen from Adidas, Gasnola and Jim Gatto, who's uh, the major Adidas executive who had been charged with crimes, that these guys were staying in a hotel. These guys attended Kansas' Midnight Madness uh, festivities in Lawrence. Uh, they didn't say who the recruit was. I couldn't tell. It was redacted. I don't know if it was Zion. I don't know if it was you know Billy Preston or whoever it was. But there was a Kansas recruit who also obviously attended uh, Midnight Madness. And the two Adidas representatives and the Kansas recruit and his mother stayed in the same hotel. And they said this was arranged. And that they, they, they had constant communication throughout the weekend. I'm like, this is yeah some shady stuff. But, you know. Well, we are where we are. We're at where we are, where we are now. And Bill Self... The sense I get from just the college basketball experts and is that, and the NCAA experts is that I don't know if Bill Self is going to last. Well, right now Kansas looks like they're ready to go on swinging because they're saying that they're going to fiercely dispute these allegations and that it firmly and fully supports Self and his staff. Now, as uh, I got to give a shout out to Bowani Jones on this, but <laughs> when people try to when schools try to flex on the NCAA. That's when they're more inclined to just lay the hammer on you. And yeah. I'm surprised that Kansas is taking the, these steps. But I think they know that the basketball program is kind of all they got. The football program. Now, shout out to Les Miles. He's actually doing some good stuff there. But um, the football program is not the basketball program. They're not one of the, They're kind of like Kentucky in that they're one of the few big, big schools that the, the a lot of their attention and money is going to come from what happens with the basketball program. So they're going to protect it with like their life depends on it because they got nothing else happening uh, in uh, in the Lawrence, Kansas. But I don't know. I the schools that I've seen was a fight. These allegations seem so t- tough, and the the penalty that seems inevitable seems like it's going to be so um so severe. strict and severe. That's the word I was yeah. looking for. That. Keeping self, I mean, you could, I guess you could do it, but it just seems like, it just seems like something, when you get these kind of penalties, it, it seems best to try to just go to clean slate. Like, how do you continue as Kansas if you're talking, looking at a two year ban possibly in postseason and, you know, a really big loss in scholarships? Like, how does self manage that situation? How do recruits look at that situation in terms of whether or not they decide to go to Kansas? I, I I don't know. I tend to agree with you that I don't know how Self really survives that kind of penalty if that's what they give him. Bill Self could actually end up being suspended and banned. I mean, like there are texts with him saying that you know, you know, this is how Duke and UNC do it. <laughs> like, I mean, yeah, he's saying crazy stuff in these texts. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like the, 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 the Adidas guys basically saying, "Look, man, these other schools and the other people got fall in line. You know, Kansas is our top dog, and they're gonna get." Best players, basically. And Bill Self is like, that's how UNC and Duke do it. <laughs> you know what I, mean? I, I don't know what else to say. I mean, how, how does he not get a severe penalty for that? I mean, he's he's outlined. But Will Wade also hasn't gotten anything. 
I, so I don't know. I know. And we'll wave like we man, we got we got a strong effing offer for this guy. So I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> you know. Yeah, the NCAA they seem to levy penalties and stuff. Why they do it for some people, not others, it seems weird. And Miami see, typically uh, has always been hammered by the MCA, even when they try to do everything right in reporting their transgressions. MCA still hammers them. Other schools right. don't report it; they get caught red-handed, and then they get slapped on the wrist. It's there's uh, unfortunately the NCA is like the wild, wild west, and there doesn't seem to really be any jurisdiction as to why they do anything. You see, Dennis Smith said he he never got paid to go to to go to NC State, even though there's record that he. Probably got paid. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I mean, I'd be fascinated to see, hear his story as to how that didn't happen. Because I'm if I'm if that's true, then I, for him, I'd be like, yo, is there money out there somewhere that's supposed to be mine that I never got? Like, yeah, exactly. Did a relative get it? Did my parent get it that I never saw? Because that he, seems he said, uh, crazy. He told NC State officials, you know, if I had gotten paid, I wouldn't have been driving my grandmother's car. Like, All right, Dennis. Yeah. He, they asked him, well, then why did you go to NC State? <laughs> Which is a funny question. But he was like, uh, he was like, oh, that was easy. He was like, oh, you know, my grandma wanted me to, that was my grandma's favorite team. And, you know, we would, you know, I was down at NC State and Duke, and then Duke signed a point guard. It's really uh, bad when you're pro Frank Jackson. It's really bad when the school has to ask, why the hell did you come here? <laughs> yeah, exactly. They got no confidence in their own recruiting <laughs> ability. Like, yo, Dennis, tell us a true story, man. Come on, man. Why'd you come here? This yeah, don't make no sense. <laughs> I mean, that, you got to ask him why he came to your school. I, I Now, I understand it's, some of it's for their own protection because they want to, there is some kind of issue. They want to report it. They don't want to end up like Kansas is about to end up. But that right. that's funny to me. <laughs> Can, it's like, yo, Dennis, man, love you with us. What really happened? Why Why were you here, really? Give you the buck. Why are you here? Because <laughs> like, this, this didn't add up. This never added up. No way you understood it when it happened. Tell us the real story. I mean, I don't know. Um, I, I I always feel kind of bad for these guys who like have to. They're in the NBA and they're worried about their seasons coming up or whatever's happening in their lives. They had to go back to their school and explain some money they may have taken. It just seems this whole thing is just ridiculous. <laughs> like it's just ridiculous. Like it's he, a ridiculous. He, he did. He did admit to selling uh, exclusive custom Adidas gear. You know, from high school, and he he said that yeah, you know, when I was in high school and college, you know, I was so easy and stuff, and <laughs> stuff that I got, and I'm like, all right, that's all you were doing. I also oh, think right. I also think that just like uh, it's foolish for people to think that because somebody's wearing expensive stuff that they have money. I would also be inclined to say just because someone is is not rocking the most expensive stuff doesn't mean that they're not getting money. <laughs> right, like. I res- look, I respect Dennis. I don't know what his story is. He's a New York Knicks, so of course I got love for for uh, for DSJ. But I'm not gonna go with the you were driving your grandmother's car, therefore you don't you did not get any money. That just that just doesn't the whole the, that doesn't the whole add up story, in any way. I mean the 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 guy TJ Gasanola who also got wrapped up in the Kansas thing, is also wrapped up in the NC State Dennis Smith situation. He said that. You know, he was told by Andy Miller, former agent, who was also wrapped up in the FBI situation, that you know Dennis Smith didn't want to play in the Adidas AU circuit anymore. So then he paid him for that, and then he, and then Dennis Smith committed to NC State, and then he found out that 
you think about decommitting because <laughs> damn Adebayo wasn't going to go there anymore. And then he, the rumors or allegedly he paid him for that. So I, I don't know. I'll tell you what, Kendall. Hey. I'll tell you what. You know what the kid who gets $50,000 from somebody and doesn't and still drives around his grandmother's car is? He's smart. <laughs> He's smart. Yeah. The guy who didn't go in and blow it on a Ferrari or blow it on a Mustang and spends it on something a little more uh, fruitful for his future. Right. That kid would be smart. It doesn't necessarily mean I think that kid would be uh, is not getting the money, but I, I think that for Dennis to just make us think that because he did not spend it stupidly on some sports car meant that he did not get any money. Seems ridiculous, but this whole thing is ridiculous. I don't have any interest in whether or not he got any money. This whole thing is a sham. Whatever money he got, he deserved. Um, it's just unfortunate that it has to be under this cloud because of the the sham of an amateur system that the NCAA has put together. But that's another story for another day. That's going to do it for this episode of the New Generation Sports Talk Podcast. I had a lot of fun doing it. Hope you guys enjoyed listening. Of course, you can catch all of our shows on the New Generation Podcast Network. You can find that on SoundCloud, iTunes, Stitcher, and TuneIn. Make sure you catch us out on YouTube at New Generation Media. Follow us on social media, New Generation Pod on Twitter, New Generation Podcasts on Instagram, and uh, what else? Uh, that's it, right? <laughs> I think those are the two. Um, follow yeah. me on Twitter, EJ underscore Stewart, and on Instagram at actually EJ. Oh, Facebook, New Generation Media. I knew there was something I missed on social media. Uh, again, you can follow me on social media. I'm at uh, Twitter, EJ underscore Stewart, and I'm on Instagram at actually EJ. Thank you guys so much for listening to the show. We'll be back next week with more sports talk. For Kendall, I'm EJ. Peace.